Hi everyone, I'm Les. And I'm Ashley. And you're listening to Anthropotamus, where we explore some of your favorite anthropology topics. Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Anthropotamus, where we'll be discussing David Gilmore's book, Monsters, Evil Beings, Mythical Beasts, and All Manner of Imaginary Terrors. Okay, so where do we start with this? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the elephant in the room, he relies very heavily on Freud for a lot of the concepts in this book. Okay, so I had to, so I, I'm not, you know, usually we pick very recent books. I'm not sure. I don't remember how we ended up choosing this book. I mean, this description sounded very interesting, um, but this book was published in like 2003, which is almost 20 ago. years ago. It is a while ago. Um, so, oh, jeez, uh, don't say it was 20 years ago. Old. Let's not mention our age. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's almost 20 years ago. So after I, I looked up when it was published, some things made a little bit more sense. Um, this this author... Um, I mean, I looked him up right before the show. I don't know why I didn't look up the author prior to that. But he, he you know, he's been, he was teaching anthropology for 30 years. Um, so I'm I'm a little surprised. Uh, I guess I'm not so surprised. He was born in like 1943. <laughs> um, so it explains a couple things in the book. But yes, I know I didn't really understand why he focused so much on Freud. There's... I mean, I granted, I'm sure, I mean, okay, let's just face it. That's not our area of study. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's true. But I did a little bit of research on Freud because he was referenced so often in this book. And when I say research, I mean, I Googled him <laughs> uh, just and the public opinion on his, on his work, because I had never really paid attention to his work. You know, I knew the obvious stuff, right? Um, but I wanted to know how seriously his work has been taken and what i what i found was mo he, he actually had very little if any data to back up his assertions and most of his uh his writing was was based on his work as a therapist so very subjective uh, and not very scientifically done I mean, I don't want to completely discredit Freud. I mean, he obviously everybody knows his name, so he had some some influence. Yeah, um, I mean, sure, but like, I think he did a pretty good job of discrediting himself. Yeah, but I mean, he, I'm sh I'm sure he still had some influence in in future studies, um, right? So, I mean, I don't want to. I mean, he had a huge influence. We all know his name, even though if we don't know anything about psychology or psychiatry or whatever i don't know always mix up those two terms but uh, well it, yeah yeah it's exactly but it's um, outdated why do you and he even mentions at the beginning of the book to be fair even like tiktokers have influence on stuff so you know just saying influence isn't the mark of a of a reliable source but i mean he even mentions in the beginning of the book yes freud's outdated but then continues to use them throughout the book yeah, so dis discredited uh... his uh his thing right from the start so i guess what what i what i'm gonna say about this right from the beginning was i am definitely not going to take it as any kind of academic paper nothing that i'm going to 
base any research or thought processes off of in my future. But it, all in all, was a fun book. I mean, I, I, I personally, it. I like monsters. I, the cover art on the book was really, it was, it was really, um, you know, pretty cool. Uh, and then just the idea of monsters. I'm a very big horror fan. I have sin- been since I was a kid. So it it appealed to me to, to look at them from a more scientific approach. And I say that with air quotes. Big honking air, air quotes. <laughs> um, They're just... You know. There wasn't enough. I thought there was going to be more analysis of what these monsters meant to the to the culture in which they originated from. And I felt like the book was, with the exception of the first and last chapter, I felt like it was just a big summary of monsters around the world. It seemed more like an essay that you might have, uh, you know, that I might have uh, written for some kind of college class or something like that. It was like the essay I wrote the night before my take-home exam was due. Oh, gosh. Um, Uh, it 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 was a big opinion piece is what it was. I didn't even think there was opinion. It was a lot of summary. Like, okay, like just just the mythology of Medusa or Lilith, we could have gone into a whole analysis of men putting responsibility on women for their own bad actions. See, now, you know, I didn't think it was so much of a summary because he kept restating his purpose. And that purpose was the fact that he thinks monsters are an allegory for your parents yeah i mean all the way through the book that was a very that was a very solid theme and you know from what from what i read and it just it seemed like he was so focused on that he ignored everything else but maybe that's a problem that that he ignored everything else and therefore there was a lack of that analysis no yeah absolutely absolutely it, you know, and I'll just be honest. I would have enjoyed it more if it was if it was just a list of monsters, but um, you know, it wasn't. He just kept bringing it back to that that same concept of um, monsters and heroes being an allegory for a child and the parents, and how you know you needed to slay the parent in order to become. Uh, like a man or a a woman in your own right uh, and claim your future. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these stories had so much more to them that it wasn't... Oh, jeez, absolutely. The the portion on the Wendigo alone... Oh, uh, (laughs) jeez. I was very confused by this when he first started talking about it because this does not necessarily have to do with the actual story of Uh, Wendigo, but... yeah, because I like every and you know I should I should preface this by saying um, that from what I understand, the native people don't talk about the Wendigo. Not even to not even to researchers. Nothing like that. That you just you don't talk about the Wendigo as part of the lore because it might attract the win- the Wendigo's attention. And maybe I'm confusing with another with another uh, monster, I'm not but sure. that, Actually, that's what I've always been. That's what I've always heard. I I mean, granted, I have taken classes in archaeology of North America. I'm not familiar with North American mythology and whatnot, but not related 
to the actual mythologies. But the reason I was confused at first is because, and this makes more sense now that I found out this came out in 2003, but he kept using the term Indian. And at first I was like, okay, we're talking about like, I think he was talking about a tribe in Canada. And then he starts keep saying Indian. And I'm like, are we talking about Native Americans? Did he say, did he say Indian? I the whole Inuit. time. No, actually, at one point, he uses the term both Eskimo and Inuit. And I was oh. surprised he used Eskimo. No, he kept using the term Indian. He and did I was use Eskimo. confused because I was like, are we talking about Native America or are we talking about India? I was like, he, I did talk we... a... he did talk about India. He did, but I was like not completely listening while I was driving. And I mm-hmm. had to rewind it to make sure we were still in North America. And the, I was like, why are we still using the term Indian? We use Native American or in, indigenous, typically, unless the tribe decides they would prefer to be called Indian, which I don't I don't think most tribes do now. But yeah, but then it made more sense realizing it came out in 2003 and this is an older gentleman writing it. Um, and then at later on, I don't know, chapter 10 or something, he uses the term Eskimo. And I was like, uh... I was like, how outdated is this book? <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's a whole other topic. <laughs> to me, he discusses how there's like this encouragement of not being left alone. Like you stick with the community, which kind of makes sense if you're living in the wilderness, it's winter time. You stick with the community so you can take care of each other. Whereas if you are left in a desperate situation, then desperate, you know, desperate situation comes with desperate measures, which could lead to like cannibalism. See, the whole the whole part where they were talking about this. Okay, I the, I, I prefaced it before, so I'm not gonna jump back to that. But the mythology that he was discussing about the Wendigo seemed very inconsistent from the mythology that I've heard before. And like I said, I guess I am going to jump back to it. Uh, like I said, I understand, or from what I understand, Native American tribes, uh, the Native American tribes who believe in the Wendigo don't talk about the Wendigo. Uh, and will specifically refuse, except for in some very special circumstances, to even say the name, especially to outsiders. And that's that right there is the, the key, especially to outsiders, because we don't have the cultural framework to be afraid. And we'll use a term, Wendigo, which is evidenced by this podcast. Since I've said it like, well, 12 times in that one sentence. <laughs> Uh, and to those of you who believe in that, if you are listening to this podcast, I do apologize. Uh, I do not mean to be disrespectful. And, and you know what? Maybe uh, we can do a spinoff off of this about having to have a guest on to talk about Native American, an actual Native American coming and talk about Native American beliefs and Oh, that would yeah, that would be that's probably preferable, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe we should do that next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, stop we have... saying the word, Les. <laughs> <laughs> stop saying the word. You can have some nightmares tonight. I had nightmares last night, so oh, well, there you go. Before that's not a that's not an uncommon thing. So maybe I am cursed. Who knows? Uh yeah. Anyways. 
what what else can we? Uh, you know what? I looked up the author and um, and I'm his other works don't, and he also I want to say I guess I can look it up right now. I want to say he had like this hundred dollar textbooks on like the Great Basin. So I was like, or the Great Plains. So I was also a little surprised by the term Indian. Yeah, the people of the plain. Um, so I'm also surprised, and I guess I could see when this book came out. But because he has this book, I was also surprised by the ter- term Indian. This came, oh, this came out in 1980. Okay, so we're probably still using the term Indian. So he does have a book on the people of the plain. came out in 1980. Um... I mean, honestly, I've got some older family members who still use the term Indian. Oh, I do too, but I mean, they're older, so. Uh, but, I mean, his other works talk about, like, masculinity and mis- misogyny, so I'm wondering if uh, maybe that is more his, what he specializes more in. Uh, I mean, if he if he does, it it would seem to me that he probably has some outdated opinions on the subject uh just considering the um you know the, when they were published and whatnot well yeah but also some of the things that he says during the book just kind of he, he he's very strongly he very strongly highlights gender roles in a lot of the chapters especially when talking about you know the the whole oedipus complex which was a theme throughout um well, he has this book, Misogyny, the Male Malady. This looks like maybe came out in 2010. So, I mean, he could have, I mean, with new research. Yeah, well, maybe he then. maybe he has become woke. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> You're too old to use that term, Les. Am I? Oh. Honestly, I would be interested to read uh, David Gilmore's other work on misogyny. I feel like that might be something he specializes more in and might have more in-depth analysis on. I will say that despite how much I'm complaining about the book, um, I did thoroughly enjoyed re- enjoy reading it. Um, yeah, so it, it was um, it left me wanting more, which is a good thing and a bad thing because first of all, that means that he didn't cover what I wanted him to cover, and I was dissatisfied with the work that I read. Um, but it also means that um, he did spark something, some interest in me, which means it, you know, it it may just be that I like monsters, like I said before, and I'm very interested in how people perceive monsters, why monsters are scary in the human mind in general. I mean, I'll give him a little bit of credit. I I can't say that I'm eager to read more of his writing, though. I'm... I I mean, it's pretty obvious. I didn't really care for the book. Um, but we also know that I am a very impatient reader. It takes a yeah. lot for me to stick with the book. Um, you know, that's just the ADHD. If I can't, you know, like hyper focus on the topic, then I'm just I'm not going to enjoy it. But no, I'm actually I actually would like to read his other work because I feel like he's written more about it. Um, so he I, I get the impression that's really where he, he specializes and that he would have more more to say that's and i mean why why not learn about misogyny <laughs> true as a sidebar i don't think that 
there has been a single book we reviewed other than ADHD where you had a positive out like not a- true. attitude towards it. <laughs> there was that one on the Philippines. Ah, yeah, that's true. That was that's a good true. book. And then yeah. Sapiens. I didn't finish it, but I would highly recommend it because you know it was like a twenty-hour book. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so back to monsters. I just wanted more. You're right. I did. It did leave me wanting more. Um, I just feel like there was just so much you could have said that did not relate to Freud. Yeah, he was, like I said, it, it felt like an essay or like an opinion piece that he he was trying to uh, push his idea in a very one-sided manner. He didn't really address any of the counterpoints that uh, could have been brought to the table. So it, it was a flawed argument is what it felt like. <coughs> all right Les, do we have anything else to say about this book uh, definitely give it a read uh fast forward it like you know you could definitely i fast forward it to 1.4 so times that's two is fine. yeah times times two is fine two was too much for me i couldn't keep up with two you get used to it <laughs> <laughs> i i was um i was you know doing various other tasks while i was listening to it so it was um you know it it worked out and i was actually i have i have notes that i probably could have brought up and read from so i did skip to the last chapter um i didn't i didn't listen to the second to last chapter because i ran out of time but um there was a part that bothered me because this whole freud thing where he's discussing you know, breastfeeding and cannibalism and the child, like, basically, you know, you're eating your mother because you're drinking her breast milk and how that, uh, I just felt that connecting to that to cannibalism. That, that was really weird. I mean, granted, I mean, I just took isotopic analysis. You are what you eat, right? Um, there's always that term. I mean, essentially you're eating your mother breastfeeding. Yes. Um, (laughs) But, or eating from her. But to say we have this natural, violent instinct to eat humans because of, you know, this connection of breastfeeding and then the whole anger because you're teething and you're wanting a bite. And uh, I, it was. It was a bit grotesque. Uh, I don't know. It was just a bit. It was, it was stretching it to me. Something that I thought was kind of interesting, the um, the Polynesian section, where they were talking about how, uh, he, he mentioned that the idea of monsters may have had something to do with the reason for their island hopping nature, and um, how a lot of their monsters have an element of corruption, I guess, or like um, disease. Which made me think, the island hopping nature, considering that the islands in question are mm, likely in the tropical zones, it it may have just actually been disease on the island themselves Mm -hmm. that encourage island hopping. If you stay in one spot too long in a condensed area, you're more likely to be exposed to something. But that's just conjecture on my part. Just something that I thought was... An interesting idea. Um, <clears throat> I'll probably cut was, that part out. 
Sorry, I don't know. Ahead. Well, if someone catches the disease, you leave them there and you go to the next island. You wait for that person to die and the disease to go away, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I knew more about, well, everything, but um, <laughs> <laughs> specifically um, Polynesian culture and the common or commonality of diseases on islands because I, I feel like the fact that they're so isolated makes them less likely to be exposed to diseases. I feel like they would be less likely, especially if they're a low density population, if they're a small tribe, less likely to be passing things on to each other. But, exactly. um, but I'm, sh I, I mean, it's not like there was no disease, you know, so. Well, it's not something that I know enough about to speak on intelligently. So yeah, like I said, I wish I knew more. Uh, yeah, um, that's not my area of study. Yeah. But um, one thing, there was a chapter where I was talking about how, like, in the early 1800s, there was all these eyewitnesses who saw monsters and how supposedly they were credible witnesses. And I'm like, really? Are they really credible? I mean, like, weren't people drinking Coke in their soda at this time? So, I mean, I, you never I know. actually have uh, a note on that. And it, it uh, just... It talks about how all of these people are credible witnesses. Um, it also specifically mentions that those witnesses are white. Yes. So like specifically saying a white man, blah, blah, blah. But, so my note here says, why are all the people who saw monsters white? <laughs> or credible. All the credible people who saw monsters were white. I'm not going to say that was racist. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I was like, like, what makes them credible? It was definitely there's definitely a bias there. There's definitely uh, a bias there. Uh, um, I'm like these people were taking like. Who, who was knows? this? Who were these people? Show me their show me their uh, their stats. Tell me exactly why they're credible. Uh, I'm just thinking like this is a time when people were like drinking who knows what sorts of drugs that they thought were okay to drink alcohol was medicinal at one point too uh, although yeah. i think that was before this uh, i don't know i mean when did when did coke come out uh, coca-cola when was that made sometime around the world war i think the 40s or 50s i don't know no it was earlier than that earlier than the 50s coca-cola i thought it was early anyways that's something to look up later uh, i want to say that it had something to do with like World War Two, it was some somewhere around that time, but I'm probably wrong. I don't know either. I'm just thinking if you know early 1900s people were putting coke in their soda. What were they drinking before that? <sighs> Anyways, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything else to say about this book. What else do you got left? I think we poked enough fun at this guy. Oh, I felt bad. He's been in the, you know, working within the field for 30 years, but... The Is he still alive? I think he might be. He's retired, I think. Oof. Uh, I know, but I mean, like I said, considering he's been in the field for 30 years, I'd really be interested in reading his other works that I feel like would just be better than this one. It's well, I, I almost, looking at his other books, I feel like this is maybe just a book he decided to write just because... I, like I said, I think it's an opinion piece. I'm pretty sure he, uh, well, one of the last things he said was that he, uh, something about, he, he was talking about how Freud's work uh, seems to 
how monsters seems to embody the you know, Oedipus complex and everything else, but he thinks that Freud's work can be taken further and should be taken further. Uh, um, so I'm thinking that maybe he has some extreme issues and this was his attempt at normalizing them and justifying his own um, problems. I, I don't know. I don't know. He seems to have been fascinated with Freud. He thought this guy's ideas were not only valid, but good. And he wants to take them a bit further. So I don't want to take anything away from his um, his work. I mean, obviously, I, I don't even have a degree myself. But as a, a human with, the, with a brain and the ability to reason and think for myself... I'm just going to say that um, it doesn't make me want to read more of his work. You know, it's funny. It's like, I didn't like the book, but I want to read his other stuff. And you're like, I like the book, but I don't want to read his other stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. That sounds like us. Uh, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we just discussed Monsters by David Giltmore. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. Thank you all for listening. Distribution of Anthropotamus is in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association. Please continue to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Anthropotamus for our latest episodes, show notes, and book discussion schedule.